0: Holiday season and the SOC is back to deliver the goods. It's the Brian Campbell back in your ear hole, and it's the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports MMA Holiday Edition. I I may have a voice that sounds like auto-tune at the end, so you may just have to deal with it in our recording issues right now in our Stanford, Connecticut studio. But it's BC. It's your boy B-Dubs, Brandon Wise by my side, Sugar Rashad Evans on a holiday bye week. We got a lot to get into today. Looking back briefly at UFC Busan, looking ahead to Rampage, Fedor, and all things Bellator Risen this weekend ahead of New Year's Eve. And we got a little business to do in the in-between, which is getting to our holiday awards, our year-ending 2019. Looking back on the highs, the lows, the good, bad. And the ugly. Why do I sound like Auto Tune right now? I won't rock. <laughs> I want to rock. All right, uh, BC and B Dubs coming at you. Um, Brandon,
1: it's your first uh, Connecticut Christmas?
0: Welcome. Okay, welcome.
1: Thank you, Brian. I God, I the listeners don't understand the issues that we just had trying to get this podcast started, and the fact that you've been singing that song un without stopping for the last 30 minutes while I'm trying to fix this.
0: <laughs> All right. We we got it off the ground. I don't know how it's going to sound, but, uh, you know, it's 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 the holiday season branded. So whoop de doop right? Dickery Doc. We want to hand out some awards, give some gifts, give some presents. We appreciate the listeners out there. I know there's a lot of big Rashad Evans fans out there. We actually got a, a sound bit from Rashad. Uh, I don't know if this was ahead of a fight or a uh, – or a, or a late night hookup. I want you to put it on. I want you to try to do your best to put it on me. Because that's the
1: only way I want it. If you don't give me everything you got, I'm going to be pissed off. That's what she said.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Tito. Shout out to Rashad. Indeed, what a year for Rashad, by the way. Speaking of year-end awards, the 2019 UFC Hall of Famer Maybe a comeback ahead of 2020. Maybe, Brandon. And what a year for you in the MMA space, right? Didn't he fight in 2019, too?
1: I hope not. I <laughs> think I think he ended he ended his career with a loss. No, nah, really, like, that was that. like last year, the year before. Okay. It was like six in a row or whatever. But what a um, year for me. What do you mean? You know, you you
0: attended some big time events in the MMA space. You um all right, one. You uh, you moved to Connecticut. Hey, it's been a heck of a ride. You got in great shape. You sparred at Hard Knocks three six five with uh, Fat Steve and a bunch of other guys.
1: Tall Steve. Oh wow. I hope you meet him one day. He <laughs> just kicks the living dog crap out of you.
0: All right. Hey. Um. Special reminder: if you like this show, you want to pass that holiday greeting back to us. A five star review podcast. Apple Podcast, Spotify, wherever you uh, assume and acc- accumulate fine audio, please do that indeed. But um, Brandon, this year, this year's been something, right? Uh, Dana White and UFC essentially coming out a couple weeks ago and saying, look, this is our best year financially. Now, that would seem like... Naturally, off the top, it wouldn't make sense, because 2016 was an insane year. Conor McGregor fought three times. It was the end of Rousey. The sale happened to Endeavor. It seemed like it could never get better, but that's the old model. That's the old pay-per-view model. Now we're swimming in ESPN money, if we're talking UFC. Performance Institute is rocking. China expansion. And to be honest, it's been a pretty damn good year for big-time fights and big-time shows delivering.
1: Yeah, I, we were putting our list together before the show and for the last couple of weeks for our year-end awards and I don't know, man, like it when you look at what 2018 was in terms of big name fights, we thought, you know, it was it was a good year. There were some cool moments that we had. Like, Let's not forget, we're coming off the hangover of 2017, which was not a great year for the for the MMA big time world.
0: And, and you yeah, know, 2018 was fine. It was serviceable.
1: I mean, it, it gets salvaged at the end by Connor and Habib, right? Like with the big moments of before that fight and then obviously the the black eye, so to speak, at the end of it. But that really saved the year in terms of giving you a big name fight. Or a big-name moment. I mean, I guess... And it was almost a year-long build when you consider the April bus situation and and all that. I guess technically, you know, DC and Stipe won in 2018, but on the whole, there wasn't a big-name fight that you were thinking, wow, this is, like, going to be a game-changer outside of... DC and Stipe won at at international fight week. You're
0: very close to pulling a Rashad and hit me up with a DC
1: Stipe. D- I, I'm D-say. I'm towing the line, man. We also had 2018 was also when we had Max Holloway get drugged allegedly by his uh, now a former manager. I think he came out and said he found out who what happened with that whole situation. He so ta- so it wasn't CTE. It wasn't a, a bad weight cut. It wasn't. It was his diet. Uh, that's what he's claiming.
0: Well, I'll anyway. tell you, I'll tell you the way he bounced back after that and, and looked great. It's uh, it's hard to say anything negative, but yeah, it's been 2019, man. I feel like we've you know everything seemed to change for me in April, Atlanta. Mm. Those two bangers back to back, Adesanya Gastelum, Holloway Poirier. That to me felt like the the welcome to like, hey, this is going to be a this could be a hellacious year because that was the beginning of that nice late spring-summer stretch for UFC where it was one big fight after another. I will say, you know, I mean, certainly from a financial standpoint, I'm sure with that ESPN deal, they're doing fantastic. But this did seem like the brand, the sport, did come back up to a higher level this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about... We'll get into the events of the year and all of that stuff later in the show, but, like, you're talking about April with 236. I mean, the very first ESPN card was insane i forgot all of the names that were on that card coming in when it's capped off by uh, henry cejudo and uh, tj dillashaw but you had donald cerrone putting an end to the alexander hernandez hype train on that card you're really bringing that up as like a big moment of the year. well no but like they we were writing off cowboy before the start of the year he was supposed to be just another like legend getting fed to a youngster and he turned that into a moment um, 235 was stacked, man. Like, I think we forgot about that when we were looking at at the biggest cards of the year. Like, 235 had, um, Jones against, uh, I'm Anthony Smith. Anthony brother. Smith. But you also had Kamaru and Tyron and, uh, Robbie Lawler and Ben Askren. But, and on the undercard, there was a bunch of names that were on the way up that, that delivered moments. So, to this year in general, I, I think, you have to put it up there with like the top three of of the yeah, last decade, and you need big time storylines like 2016
0: when you had Connor fighting three times and times and times and. Y- and we're back, your boy BC, sitting next to B Dubs. I think we've got the audio issues. Worked out. Shout out to, uh, sound engineer extraordinaire, Debo Eric D. Uh,
1: you, bro, you butchered. <laughs> Eric
0: the Butcher. Thank you very much. Uh, no longer am I an auto tune, but I'm still willing to, uh, play the tunes and belt them out. Uh, you know, I'm still willing to do anything you need me to. You're
1: playing. Except
0: for that. Thank you.
1: (laughs) We did whatever we could to make sure you could play those sound drops. All
0: right, Brandon. This past weekend, UFC Busan was in my living room very early. And you know what? It didn't suck. A lot of guys on there I never heard of. But when it came time for the people that I did, my guy do... Ho Choi. I know this isn't the headliner. I know this isn't the main story come out of there. But you know I love me some Korean Superboy. His first fight in over two years. And he looked like he was on the way to knocking out Charles Air Jourdain, And then he got sent to hell in round two. So it's like, oh, what do we do with this guy? Cause I want him to be amazing. Some of his qualities are amazing, but I feel like he's the next Tom Duquesnois of somebody's gonna steal my heart and then fade away before he can even burn out.
1: Yeah, he's I I'm so teetering on that edge right now of him being the Korean superboy and him being the Korean average boy, as you so delicately put it the other day. He's uh he's had two really good fights, right? Like the Cub Swanson fight was hell on wheels. Just a hellacious brawl between two dudes who just threw everything out there. And then he gets the Jeremy Stevens fight and just gets destroyed. Like it was so clear that he's not, he was not on that level yet where he could fight top 10 guys in that weight class. And then he gets the two year break, right? Or a year break, I think it was because that fight was a while ago. And. He looked great in the first round. Like, he looked like the guy that we expected him to be. But then Jordane slowly puts the pieces together. He's putting the puzzle together to where it's like, "Uh uh-oh, what's going to happen here? And you saw it because I'm sitting there watching the fight, and I'm like, oh, Jordane is just setting him up with this jab. And then Superboy was not figuring out where the jab was going. So every time he set it up with the top, he then followed it with a bottom, uh, with a body punch. Or if he went to the body, he went to the head with the back. And he just opened him up like it was—it was textbook to the point where he set him up with the jab low and then just over the top with the hook.
0: Yeah, he's a our boy Korean Superboy is a uh, flawed fighter in the end, and it sucks because there's elements to him: his aggression, his willingness to attack, his punch resistance—that's through the roof. I mean, he showed you in that Cub Swanson loss that he's one of those dudes who is willing to die on his sword only. Not just willing to fall on it, you need to kill him and turn it. And he will be fighting until you turn it on him. And Air Jordan, shout out to uh, this rising fighter who now needs to be recognized and noticed. He was able to put that away after weathering that early storm. It's tough, though, because when I first saw Korean Superboy come on the scene, I'm like, here's a complete package. And he's a killer, by the way. And, you know, he, he looks like he's the real deal. And sometimes you fall in love with your power or you fall in love with your ability to take punishment. He just sort of got ahead of himself with those two abilities and he's not a complete fighter. It doesn't mean it's the end of the road, but he's teetering more toward flash in the pan what could have been already now with three straight defeats than he is anything else, especially with that big gap in between. I don't want him to become a traction fighter like Korean Zombie at one point in his career seemed to be, although now he's turned it around again to really become a true title contender, and we'll get to that in a second. But this was a fun fight. It was interesting. It just, you know, there's some guys you just attach yourself to, Brandon. You're like, that's my guy. Like you and that weirdo Johnny Walker, you're like, that's my guy. This 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 guy speaks to me, okay? Now he's speaking three straight Ls, okay? It just, is
1: what it is. Just don't be the Baron all over again.
0: Uh, we had an interesting co-main event, Volkanos, Ozdemir, Alexander Rakic. Yeah, interesting in the fact that Rockets looked like the highlight real guy that we play him up to be in that first round before Vulcan started going to the legs in a big way. And then an alien grew below Alexander's left knee. And then by the end of the fight, we kind of had somewhat boring scorecard split decision. And once again, Osamir gets the, gets the, gets the, <laughs> whoa, whoa. Wow, wow, okay, sorry, we we remixed right there. Once again, he gets, the gets, the gets, the gets. What I'm really saying here is Vulcan was on the wrong end, I thought, of that split decision, loss against Dom Reyes. Now he sneaks in there with a win. I didn't necessarily think Vulcan looked great or deserved it, but really what this fight was all about was to find out if Rakic was title material, and Brandon, was a very uneven performance.
1: Yeah, he came out in that first round, and... He looked like he had the power, right? Like, he looked like a Tiago Santos out there who was just murdering people in the ring. And, Maheta, Maheta. Yeah, I, I should have known that was coming. Um, he just, his, his muscle though might just be too much. Like, he's 200, he's fighting at 205. He's built like a damn Mack truck. But, I mean, is, at some point you gotta realize the muscle might be carrying too much because he's not moving well. You know, like, he, it, it, once he gets to round two, he slows down so much and you could, like Vulcan said after the fight that he could feel rockets slowly wearing down. So that's part of the game plan, like, right? Where, where Vulcan starts attacking that lead leg and all of a sudden the alien starts growing on his shin. But I mean, should we pause and just,
0: just really, <laughs> re- really break that down? I mean, look, we've seen hematomas on heads. Everybody remembers Hasim Rockman in boxing Mark Hominick in round five against Jose Aldo, but this was,
1: Freaking weird, bro! I think we've seen two of those this year too. Like, we're just random growths are coming up, and it's like, how does that happen? Is that just from not training your shins properly? Because, Well, uh, it's just hematoma life. What is that? A pocket of blood?
0: Just pops? I don't know. I don't know how the human body works. Obviously, <laughs> I'm just some jabron over here. But wow, did you see that weird stuff going on? Uh That thing wanted out, but look, it's a step back for Rocky. Akichi <laughs> should have gave him the stink face, but really for Volkanos Demir, he's settling back down. Even though with a win here, into just sort of average gatekeeper guy. I mean, look, you 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 step up to him in a Fort Lauderdale bar, you're getting KO'd, bro. All right, but no, no, no. no. All right. All I right. mean,
1: that's the thing though. Is like light heavyweight. This is what it is, right? Like it's really uneven. They're they're like just. Not bipolar, but like they just have these weird ebbs and flows in their fighting. Where he loses three straight, but now he's one two. You know, like it's a weird division.
0: It's not deep. It's interesting. John Jones is just going to keep beating whoever they put in front of him. Maybe Dumbries. We'll see. But this main event in Busan turned out to be what I always say: what should happen when a young guy in those Korean super uh, Korean zombie is not young, but when a guy who's streaking and peaking faces that old veteran. When it's Peter Jan Peotre against Mr. Faber, sort of the laws of nature should take over. They did in this fight as Frankie Edgar came in there on very short notice. We know he may or may not have a fight with Corey Sandhagen in a month at, Ban- at, uh, at Bantamweight, and they should cancel that right now if they haven't. But Frankie Edgar came in there to win. He had really bad hair, and he got knocked the hell out. And this was the elevation of Korean Zombie coming back into that title picture. And Brandon, after he lost to Jose Aldo a few years back, he took the two years off of mandatory military service in South Korea that we've seen for a few different combat athletes. And he came back hungry. What is he, 3-1 and since then? or is it in the only loss is that last-second miracle victory by Yair Rodriguez in Denver. So he's looking like a title contender because he did what he was supposed to do in this spot, blow away the veteran. And at 38, dude, Frankie Edgar, what, what can you say? What can you say, Brandon? Say it. Say what needs to be said, okay? Say it.
1: No, I'm going to say stuff about Zombie first because— You want me to
0: bring in ha- Na- Prince Nasim Ahmed? <laughs> I know this sounds terrible. <laughs>
1: I think you should finish. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you are correct on that. But Korean zombie, man, like, that was just a mauling. And it was so interesting to just see how the pacing started with that fight where, where Edgar is normal, his normal self, like, bouncing around the ring. And zombies just basically saying, like, come hit me. Please come hit me because I'm going to counter the hell Yeah, out of we the- actually have the footage of him saying that. Here it is.
0: Me.
1: Yeah, Frankie answered, and then got hit in the head like I think it was seventy-five times when he had back mount and was just raining down punches on from the from behind. Yeah,
0: that got gross, and Frankie got busted open too. It kind of looked like Lesnar, Mir two there with just one guy with truck hands behind him giving it to him, but. uh He's a real title contender. He is, and I love this story, because Korean Zombie was fun journeyman for a while, and then he kind of worked himself in when Jose Aldo had cleaned out that division into a title opportunity. He's more focused. He's a killer now. Yes. Like, that's the win
1: he was supposed to get if he's for real, yet he still looked impressive in doing it. So you think he would be, what, top three right now at featherweight? Uh,
0: Look, I think Korean Zombie's got something special from a marketing appeal. Especially when they're trying to do things in Asia,
1: that he might get fast tracked. Uh, maybe the problem is, man. Like we were supposed to see him in a top three fight. Like it, it just sucks because this was supposed to be him against Ortega, and that was going to be awesome.
0: That would have told us a lot. Ortega's. We haven't seen him since the
1: Holloway loss, so he's there, but he's not. And then you've got Volkanovski on top, and you got Yair now <sighs> making his way into the picture too. Like featherweight's reloading pretty quickly. It, I would look. I don't think it's crazy that
0: they pump Korean Zombie in there for a first Volkanovski title defense. He didn't take any damage in this fight. If you want to go to lower South Asia there with Australia and South Korea and that whole market, it'd be interesting.
1: Would you rather see that first, or would you rather see Zombie against Holloway? I think it's very –
0: I don't know is my answer because I don't know how ready Brian Ortega is going to be. And do you give him now a somewhat of a softer fight because it's so much time away when in reality
1: he's he's one win away from getting back into the title picture? So I don't know what they end up doing there. He said he needed, I think, another three months. So he was was targeting like April or May for his comeback. But it's always great when you have an abundant – of viable title contenders. And this
0: was a fight that certainly declared that because you need to put wins together. He's three and one, like I said, since he's come back. He looked really good in all of them. I like that performance. Frankie, this is the first time he looked bad, though, I would have to say. I mean, look, that knockout loss to Ortega was so quick that you really couldn't get a great look at it. But Frankie had nothing at this level. And it's tough to say things like, I think you should finish. But here's what I think you should finish doing, Brandon. I think you should finish competing for titles. I think he should finish taking last-minute dangerous opportunities, and I think he should become his glorified Rich Franklin old self and just take main event opportunities. Like, like, The idea of him taking this fight isn't bad. That's kind of what you do when you're an old name and you can float weight classes. But stop with the weight dream, stop with the Sanhagen fight, and just realize that at 38, you don't need to fight every three or four months. Let's let's get some fun old guy fights. Let's get Faber-Edgar too. Let's get some that type of thing going. Let's get him out of the mix against elite guys. You look at his record now. What has he lost? Three of the last four, right? But we're talking about the very best in that division.
1: Well, And his only win, though, is against Cub Swanson, who was on a five-fight losing streak at that point. I don't know, man. He did beat the brakes off of Jair Rodriguez before that, though. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. So here's what I don't want to see. I don't want to see Frankie back in there against a Yair Rodriguez. I want to see him. <laughs> that was also Yair Rodriguez three years ago. Yeah. It's, I, it's tough when we see our heroes go down, and he got sent to hell here. I have a fun one for you. If he, if this person is healthy in 2020, you don't want him to float to weight? I think this is actually a really fun fight for Don't him. say Hen and Bro. <laughs> no, he's not with the UFC anymore. Dom Cruz.
0: That's the type of matchmaking, yes. Because it's so sellable, it's two legends, and the winner of it actually, if it's Dom Cruz, could could catapult in the direction again of a title shot. Yes. I think Frankie's just he's just one of those dudes that's going to be too competitive in game for his own good, and they need to stop putting him in fights that right. lead to somewhere. It's the same argument, dude, of Anderson Silva a few years back. Why are you fighting David Branch level guys? Why are you fighting uh Cannoneer, Why, you know, like, like, you, you tried hard to get the title shot. You went to Adesanya. They made it in an event. It was something, but it's over. You're 40 something. You are a spectacle now. Fight old guys. Okay. Yeah. Stop. Don't fight killers. Don't fight average guys. Don't do it. I don't want any Jack Hermansons against Anderson Silva. Stop the madness, all right? <laughs> That's what I got you for you from Busan and Frankie Edgar. We can't linger there. Uh Bellator, well, you got we got more to say? Is that no, what you're keep saying? Going, keep going. All right. I to, uh, you know, you're about to set me off here. Uh Bellator had a pair of Hawaii cards over the weekend.
1: Can you call them cards? Uh, I
0: know, because I hate when they split up two cards in the same venue when in reality put together, the card would be pretty badass. Not great, but the card would be solid. Friday night was supposed to be Josh Barnett's return from Good lord, three years out of the cage, making his Bellator debut, it didn't happen because of an illness. My girl, Alejandra, Lara, though, did step up and got a win there over Vita Ortega. Did you see that little piece of business, that three-round war they had? No. She Lara left her a bloody mess by the end of that.
1: That sounds about right. I don't know how she became your girl. but I th- I
0: think she can get back in there against Alima may, Alima may McFarlane, who... Defended her title in her home in her home state there, and the Saturday night main event. If they're building toward that as a rematch, I'm in. You're not in on that? I don't think they're building towards that. I think they're building towards Liz Carmouche. It's a big signing for them. If they did Carmouche against Lara, that might be the fight to set up the title challenger.
1: Yeah, I'm fine with that.
0: Lara lost her only opportunity at the title against uh I M M. I M M is that what we're calling her? What are you doing, Alima I L M? Are you doing that
1: because you can't say the
0: name? I'm right teetering. Here? I'm falling off the side of the cliff There, a couple days <laughs> out from the holidays. But uh shout out to uh Lu- shout out to Azul. That's our girl. That's our girl, okay? Shout out right there. AJ McKee. Uh over Derek Compost to advance in the uh sixteen man featherweight tournament. A good advancement there. All in all though wasn't wasn't a giant night. It wasn't a giant weekend there for Bellator. All right, we'll put that behind us. Brandon, is there any headlines we should be hitting here before we look back at the year it was? There's nothing going on, right? I don't
1: think anything happened.
0: It's going to be an interesting time because, of course, we've got Rampage this weekend. You're going to have, ahead of New Year's, the PFL Finals. Although, look, my PFL balloon got, got kind of popped a while ago. And then you got nothing for a few weeks until Connor Cowboy on January 18th. You you okay with this lull coming up? You all right with it?
1: I'm very happy about this. This gives me some time to relax for a minute.
0: All right. All right. Some time to face the pain a little bit. Deal with life. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> um, look, no, yeah. yeah. Uh, this year, though, Brandon, 2019, we hit it off the top as a whole. We're going to do fighter of the year. We're going to do fight of the year. We're going to do that stuff. But who won 2019? If there's an MVP of 2019, it could be a promoter, a promotion, a face, a moment. What? Like when every year, like when I say 2016, you think Conor McGregor, right? When I say 2017, I think, damn, UFC sucked. They couldn't find any headliners. (laughs) Conor was boxing against Floyd. When I say whatever year, you might go, okay, well, that's Liddell or that's, you know, when you say the year of our Lord twenty nineteen, what do you think of
1: Street Jesus, baby?
0: Wow, wow. two piece three, and a soda, three piece and a soda. All right, all right. Thank you, Leon Edwards. Um, we had a we had a part in that. We had like the only major interview with Jorge Masvidal on the build toward the uh, Ben Askren fight.
1: Yes, before that fight, but now he's kind of become like, uh, eh, I'll go to anywhere and talk to you guys. No, anywhere that matters, though. Yeah, no, but he's going to every major outlet now, and he's talking. To them.
0: I think we talked to him at the last moment before he was game Bred. he was monster, before he was crossover, before he was the G, the thug, the everything, before he was the guy. He was the guy this year. If there's a, you know, if there's an MVP, a most popular vote, somebody who just took the year and made it their own, it's certainly George Masvidal. Did
1: you call him George? I did. I did do that.
0: Um, yeah, he I
1: I don't think there's an ar- argument really like you can say Israel Adesanya if you want, but like I don't think he ha- he has no crossover appeal yet. He's not in the casual conversation. He didn't have the freaking rock handing the belt to him when he won in Australia.
0: Yeah, you know you win sort of pop culture MMA MVP of the year when you have arguably maybe the moment of the year, arguably maybe the knockout of the year, you're part of one of the fights of the year, and you're in contention for fighter of the year. And yet, in this year, he didn't even win a real title. He's the BMF (laughs) champion. It's rare, Brandon, that somebody makes that that type of escalation onto the public consciousness, is a legitimate contender for fighter of the year, which we'll get to in a second, and yet isn't an actual champion. When was the last time that's happened? Has it ever happened? I don't think so. You know, boxing has had a couple oddball fighter of the year picks. I say oddball, like, remember Glenn Johnson in 2004? The light
1: heavyweight? I don't think I've ever heard that name So before. that's what
0: I'm saying. Like, <laughs> that's a guy who got hot one year. Remember Carlos Baldemir? These are guys who sort of got hot for one year, came out of nowhere, but they only got on our radar by winning championships. You very rarely see somebody, especially a guy who we knew about. It's not like we didn't know about Masvidal before, but somebody go from... Is it is it too strong to call him a journeyman entering this year?
1: No, I think that's pretty accurate. To
0: see somebody go essentially from journeyman, uh, I mean, I guess you, maybe it was a it was a similar to the Nate Diaz leap in 2016. But Nate Diaz didn't win the second Connor fight. Nate Diaz didn't win a championship either. But he he went from being a guy that we know and we like, but he's a, a guy. To contending to being the guy, Jorge Masvidal kind of made that leap to being the guy this year, from the standpoint of the pulse, the, the the public consciousness, the superhero of the sport at the moment.
1: Yeah, it it was a. I don't even know what you would call it in terms of ascension because it's like it happens so fast, where you're just like, all of a sudden he's must see TV, like, and I don't even know where you would point to as like that moment because. He had, like you said, he had like three or four of well, them. Well, the moment was the Askren knockout where it went, but, where it became real. But even before that, though, like the the Leon Edwards stuff made him a more, I guess, to the hardcore fans, like, oh, this is my guy now. Like, Yes. He, he's the real. Like, he doesn't play that game. And then all of the build, like you said, towards the Askren fight. Like that, that felt legitimate, like animosity before that fight. Oh,
0: that was that was real, but the, it, it needed the viral. It, it needed the viral nature of that knockout to really go crossover in your living room. Casual fans know him, and then to get the, which really is insane to me that actually happened. That the UFC said this MSG card, which is one of our babies. Right, we break the record for the MSG, the most hallowed building in all of sports, and we break the the gate record every time we go there and we're going to do a non-title BMF fake title, and it's going to be counterculture icons, Nate Diaz and Jorge Masvidal, and Jorge's going to dress like Scarface in the in the build-up. Like, it's like that is such storybook, never would have seen it coming, and that's the year this, this fella had. Dude,
1: they delayed a Canelo Alvarez fight yes. for this man's fight. And not
0: a crappy Canelo fight. <laughs> One in which he was kind of doing some historic business himself, moving up a couple weight classes.
1: So, I... I don't think that there's an argument for anybody else. His his career just hit another level this year. I'm so glad that he came back. Like, there was a time where we didn't know if he was in a fight again because he took the break. He took an extended break, did a reality TV show. It it felt like one of those things where it's like, all right, Jorge might just be done. Like, and and to his point, like to that point, it would have been okay because it was like. he fought the elite guys. He had his chance to get up there in like 2017 or 2016, and he lost. 2017. Do you remember he fought at UFC 211 in Dallas?
0: That was my. That week was my first trip to the Fort Lauderdale office of CBS Sports. I interviewed him from the studio on Skype, and I remember saying to myself after it ended, like, "A, we're gonna have to bleep the crap out of this interview, and B, if this guy could put wins together, he could be kind of a street Conor McGregor, you know, kind of like a." Like, cause he just says it all. And by the way, shout out. I'm going to, I'm going to negatively call out our brethren at CBS Sports. That interview never saw the light of day. Don't you love when you do hard work and you do it great? And then no, if it, four days later you go, Hey, where's that interview? I want to tweet it out. It was like, I don't know. I don't know where it went. <laughs> Sorry, UFC. Thanks for setting that up. No one, no one grabbed it. It was a fantastic interview. He acted like a killer in it. What was that fight at 211? Who did he fight? Damian Maya. And then that was the setup for his Wonderboy Thompson fight. Yep. You and I were there. He lost every second of that fight, and he looked every bit the journeyman. And that began that long layoff, which we know the story now, that led to refueling and rebuilding the guy who captured 2019 and made it his hole. If the knockout of Askren, and we'll get to it later when it's in contention for knockout of the year, if that's the moment of the year, I think it is. I think that's the MMA moment of the year.
1: Right? The knockout? The knockout. Yeah.
0: I mean... I mean, Stipe knocking out D.C. For, the, for what it meant was massive. But the moment of the year that had every – when you get casuals, when you get every casual caring for that moment, dude, that was, I think, the moment of the year. You know what my surreal moment of the year was? Exactly what you just said before. When I'm sitting in the MGM Grand Garden Arena like, hey, Canelo's about to walk. Let's do this. <laughs> Hold on. We're going to wait 90 minutes and watch Jorge Masvidal on the big screen. That's the surreal moment of the year. Both are connected to tell the same story. That this guy's your MVP of 2019, and it's it's weird. It's it's ridiculous. It's outrageous. I can't believe it happened. And yet, it's not just sound bites and a freak knockout. It's a guy who put together three wins, and became a legitimate title contender, and became like around the outset of the pound for pound list. On top of that,
1: yeah, around the outskirts. Excuse me. Let me let me skirt you a little bit there. Well, he started the year in what he was before the Till fight. He was like number eleven or twelve in the welterweight division, or not even ranked. I don't think. Yeah, and yeah. now he's top two or top three in most most people's rankings. Like it, it takes something special like that to become the person of the year in MMA. Wow, wow! This argument, this debate, this conversation
0: flows perfectly into the CBS Sports. Pick for Fighter of the Year in 2019 in MMA. How do we do it at CBS Sports? We vote. Insiders, myself, Brandon Wise, Gentleman Jack Crosby, who people know from the State of Combat Pro Wrestling Show and also fill in appearances here. Uh, Brent Brookhouse, a very respected MMA journalist who joined our staff this year, also in on that. We voted, and how it works is it's a democracy, baby. We may have different people that we think and there were some strong contenders this year. But I think it was a two-horse race, even with that late push from Alexander Volkanovski. And we can get to him in a second. But I thought it came down to Jorge Masvidal and Israel Adesina. You and I have had versions of this debate in the past, Brandon. But the people have spoken and Majority Rules. And Jorge Masvidal is your 2019
1: CBS Sports Fighter of the Year. Why, Brandon? I mean, do we need to rehash everything that we just talked about? Because it was an insane year for the man Jorge Masvidal. Like, Comes back from a two-year hiatus, goes to London, takes on a gorilla, as he calls himself, which is not far off, in Darren Till at welterweight, when Darren Till looks like a damn light heavyweight in there most times that he's fighting, and gets rocked early, bounces back, slowly gathers himself, and delivers an incredible two-punch knockout where you're just like, whoa, the power is back. Jorge has something there. Darren Till does not get knocked out like that easily. No, never. And the, the punch and then the finisher on the way down was just incredible to the point where it's like, okay, maybe we need to take Jorge a little bit more seriously now. Then he has the moment backstage with Leon Edwards who... I hope, I hope we get to see them fight this year. So you're saying he's, he's actually 4-0 this year because that,
0: that, <laughs> that, when he lit him up with those three punches and, and, and bled him,
1: he bled the sucker. Yeah. I mean. You
0: call Leon Edwards a sucker?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I want to see them fight this year. That's what I'm saying. That's on my wish list. Um, then we get the build towards Ben Askren and the bad blood that started with how the Robbie Lawler and Ben Askren fight ended where, where Ben is talking smack about Robbie Lawler and Jorge is like a very big Robbie Lawler fan and former teammate. Yes. And then we get the knockout heard around the world, as you put it, where he tells him before the fight, are you sure you're ready? With his hands behind his back, leaning against the cage.
0: Ben Askren told us on this podcast, I'm going to, or no, sorry, Masvidal said that I'm going to end the Askren bloodline.
1: (laughs) And we're like, oh, this is great
0: promotion. That's the, that is the most perfect. That's why that's the moment of the year. That's why it's in the contention for knockout of the year. It's so freaking perfect, Brandon. It's everything he said he was going to do. And it validates the year and his intentions of quote unquote baptizing people better than any moment could have. And it's like he did it so gangster too. Hands behind his back, sort of unassuming and then darting in and do, I mean, look, it, it, it's so badass. And then the Nate Diaz
1: fight. Like the icing on the cake is fighting Nate Diaz, who we don't really know what division he would be, where we would rank him in terms of welterweights or lightweights at this point. But he beat a guy who is so well respected in the game. Somewhat soundly. Somewhat, even though it was a kind of a hellacious fight
0: for both, it was kind of sneakily no, he dominated, one-sided he dominated and, and within that, that fight.
1: He dominated that fight in the first two rounds. Third round, Nate started to come on, you could say, with those elbows from the bottom. But Nate's face was falling apart. Like, he can say whatever. Nate can say whatever he wants. But and he his, will. His face was falling apart. So Nate will say anything. Yeah, Conor McGregor, you're taking everything I work for, mother... See, he'll,
0: he'll, he'll just say it, all right? I'll fight you. Uh, yeah, no, that, that's... A, and look, if, if Nate had been coming back and that was his comeback fight, it would be easy to discount it. Nate had just come back against Anthony Pettis and looked really good. Looked like maybe ready to re-enter a title picture, a place we never really thought he'd come back to because he barely fights and when he does. He's basically a celebrity headliner. It's a great year. I mean, and I don't mean to be the hater here because I did not vote for him and because I've been arguing against him. And that's just because the year that Israel Adesanya had, who is our runner-up, correct? Yes. And who's a guy who, I mean, could have and would have won it in almost any other year. When you consider three wins... All of them very high quality, and I know there's a mini argument in there on the Anderson Silva win. But dude, Anderson Silva poured out the jug that night, and he well, well, wait, he poured out the jug onto himself, like rubbed himself with some HGH. Or... He he's probably he <laughs> he prevented himself from getting KO'd and made it a very difficult night to the point that some people afterwards were like, "Was that actually impressive by Adesanya? Was he did he not go for it because Silva really he, he was it was his last stand? It was his last stand. He went for it." And yet he had three wins as a whole, yet he's probably in the fight of the year, we'll get to it in a second, in such a strong showing over Gastelum in which he walked through hell. And then he goes in there against the pound-for-pound ranked champion, one of the pillars of the sport, in Robert Whitaker, yes, coming off of injury and time off, yes, but a guy who you're like, that guy ain't losing for a while, and knocks him the hell out. It's one of those
1: weird debates, Brandon. No, no, you need to stop right there. I I said it. First of all, first of all, you called him a pillar of the UFC. Yes, in terms of a building block
0: for the future. No,
1: that's uh, not true. First first of all, all it is. Okay. Second of all, you said you thought he wasn't going to lose for a long time after you've told me after those two. Freaking Romero fights that you thought Romero won both times.
0: Yeah, well, the judge. No, the, only the second one. The first one's debatable. The you second one, all, right, all, right. all right. We're not here to talk about the past, Mark McGuire. Okay, we're here to talk about the future. But it is an interesting debate. I like these debates when it comes down to this or Fighter of the Year. I mean, Adesanya. To me, I, what else could he have done? But yet. Masvidal had one of those crazy years that we just spent 20 minutes talking about where you capture everyone's attention and you're really awesome and you sell and you move product and you go from average guy to suddenly cult hero and all you put all that together and he's kind of pound for pound ish. It's a strong-ass case. I think it's a tiny bit of an emotional pick. I think it's a tiny bit, because what else the hell would Adesanya have to do? But we're not here to dig up that debate. We've already had it, all right? <laughs> We've
1: had it like four times. But
0: can you just give this man
1: Israel Adesanya the do? Did he also make a critical leap? Yes. yes. No, he definitely did, man. The My only argument is that if you stacked up the two, the, the weakest quote-unquote win of those two fighters... Darren, the Taron Till win would be the weakest for for Jorge, and the Anderson Silva one would be the weakest for Adesanya. Yeah, it's about it's about even. And I think I think Masvidal's win against Darren Till was more impressive. Uh, I just want to
0: say, don't discount what Silva brought to the table. He may have been listening to the performance enhancing audio, but that only strengthens my argument.
1: (laughs) I will say, in terms of the last four years that we've been like everybody's on steroids. Thank you. Sorry, sorry. In the last four years that we've been doing these kind of debates. I don't think we've had a closer one than this.
0: You mean that time you tried to argue that Ooh. Sylvia Calvillo with five wins would have been? Cynthia Calvillo. Yeah, sorry. Right. <laughs> no, it's, it's close, man. And then when you consider, Brandon, seriously, the extended argument involved guys like Pitbull and Bellator, who knocked out Michael Chandler, who became their first you know uh, simultaneous champ-champ strong year. But then you're like, what do we do with Volkanovsky? Who makes an, a very important? Did he get three? Get two wins.
1: He had two, but the the third win, if you wanted to count it, was at was December 29th last yeah, year. Yeah, but you can't. You can't do it. I'm sorry. Against uh, Chad, Men- but it was against Chad Mendes, who was on a roll. He knocks out Chad Mendes and
0: sends him into retirement, and then clinical victories over Josie Aldo and maybe the third best pound for fourth best. Well, Max Holloway coming off of that Poirier loss did get pushed back a little bit in pound for pound, but we're talking about like the greatest featherweight of all time, fourteen fight win streak in the division. And Volkanovski goes out there and makes a serious leap. Great year for him. Amanda Nunes did, did nothing wrong here. Head kicks Holly Holm. Help points are tougher than maybe some expected GDR in their rematch. It was a big year for fighter arguments because guess what name we haven't mentioned yet? Kamaru Usman! Did he not make a leap? Dude, you could make the case, okay? Do you know what sometimes settles arguments for me when I'm debating fighter of the year, Brandon? And this is why I think when somebody only has one win, and everyone's like, well, he can't be in that argument. He only had one win. But if that one win is the best win of the year, you could argue that Stipe Miocic is in this conversation because that one win is so strong. Kamaru Usman had one of those one wins with the Tyron Woodley domination. A guy who, yes, I had pound for pound number three, the most efficient fighter in the game. A guy who seemed to figure it out, how to beat everybody by taking away their best skill. And he got dominated. And then all Usman did was author a, a fight of the year contender against Colby, go five hellacious rounds and knock the guy out. And he's what on our list? Fifth?
1: Kamaru is fifth, yeah.
0: Holy crap. Oh, and by the way, John Jones came back from a one year steroid suspension <laughs> for Picograms and recorded three wins in like a six month span
1: against fairly credible and solid guys. Um So that's that was what I was actually gonna say is like I feel like we're at the point with Amanda Nunez and John Jones where it doesn't matter who they fight because we have them in such high regard yes. that they're never going to be the fighter of the year anymore because their wins might be really good quality, but we're just like, well, they're John Jones. They're Amanda That's a fair Nunez. point.
0: It's a fair point. It's it's people used to say that about Michael Jordan in the '90s. He didn't win the MVP every year like he probably could have because you're just like, man, I'm bored voting him. Karl Malone hasn't won it in a while. Let's 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 give him a one he doesn't deserve. Well, let's you know?
1: go a little bit more modern. That's the Derrick Rose MVP award over LeBron.
0: All right. Well, Derrick Rose had a bust out year. Okay. Derrick Rose was your Jorge Masvidal <laughs> that year. Okay. And he paid for it with a horrific injury. Now he's well, he's all right now. All right. Here's the point, Brandon. What a freaking year. Who do you think had the win of the? year? What's the best critical win? When you consider Stipe knocking out Cormier, you consider Woodley getting owned by Usman, and maybe you consider, ah, man, do you know who else we didn't mention in this fight? Oh, my God, how good is this? The guy who finished third in our vote. People are listening Dude. to this probably going. What are you guys, uh, idiots? <laughs> Henry Cejudo Triple C became a two division champion, knocked out T J Dillasaw on roids, and then came back and destroyed Marlon Moraes, who was looking like a killer. Brandon, what a freaking year! What's the best critical win this year? There's there. I mean, could it could it get any better than Adesanya over Whitaker?
1: Like, what do you mean by critical win?
0: Best win. You, you essentially you you. <sighs> It's where we're, we're quality of competition is basically the basis
1: of this award, right? I mean, and the circumstances and the gonna, quality if, of competition, if you're going that route, I mean, Dustin Poirier gets in this conversation with his win over Max Holloway, doesn't he? It's, it's a fair argument. I mean, he it's was on very, what like an 11 fight. win, And streak it was a hellacious
0: fight and it was a five round war. That's a very good point. Cause, uh, that's so tough, bro. To this pick was a freaking amazing. We saw like two guys high in a closet. Some of those <laughs> elements are true. We're definitely in a closet right now. I haven't checked your bloodstream though. But we just had a long debate on fighter of the year, and I'm like, man, this guy at number seven is amazing. I forgot Henry Cejudo because he's so cringe and he's missed the second half of the year. Yet those two wins are in the argument against anybody.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Two even, two championships, even though you could you could I two think, championships
0: at one time, two chicks at one time, you bro. Would still, all right,
1: all right all about the Bellas. Um, you could argue that the TJ Dillashaw, we, like that's still one that we can talk about where it's like, did he get stopped? Did they ref stop that too early? Blah, blah,
0: blah. Yeah, he probably did. But now you find out that dude's on EPO. You're yeah. like, yeah, I probably got. Have you seen the pictures
1: of Dillashaw lately, by the way? No. You Oh, okay. I got to Google this for you in a second and show you because D- TJ is uh in that two year um retirement layoff port of the suspension. And he is a uh, thick, is what I would say, like with two C's,
0: <laughs> thicker than Errol Spence Jr. looked in that interview the other
1: day. Thicker than Errol Spence looked in that interview. I, I got to pull this picture up for you, but yeah, I, if you're telling me to pick a fight or a moment of the year, I think I have to lean towards Poirier, even though you just laid out some good arguments for quality of win. Really, I mean, look, the other quality. I mean, God,
0: pay what he did against DC. We can't. You can't just look over that, right? I mean, DC no, was can't. like number. DC was like the pound for pound king in some regards at that point.
1: I mean, it has that fight had argument for fight of the year too. I mean, it was a dude. What a crazy
0: year, man! When Dana says that now, and you are like Dan, how could you say that this was the best year in UFC history? And we're thinking, oh, that only means because that ESPN deal was so tall. But when you have this many people making cases, Brandon, that means for fight of the year, that means you had this many great co-mains and main events it was a really damn great year and we're barely talking about bellator they made a mini comeback to a degree in Bell. terms of relevancy and putting out fights that we cared about well it's because of the tournaments right true true but it but it, it it mattered it worked you know their their tent poles got us moving a little bit think about brandon this is a monster year for mma think about this bro obviously if we're going to do promotion of the arts ufc bellator had done better than they did the year before One championship made a giant leap. Not giant enough to grab our attention all the time, but you get an American TV deal and you sign three UFC names, pretty big year.
1: Yeah. I'm with you on that. Would
0: you say that PFL with the with their tournaments? Oh my god, Dilshaw. What (laughs) Dilshaw looks like a Yeah. Looks about one hundred seventy five in that photo. Damn he's got abs, but uh
1: Damn. Damn, he's losing his abs very quickly. Wow,
0: um, Brandon, this was also like the best year in PFL history, right? You signed Rory McDonald to close of the year.
1: You... we didn't even. That was the news we didn't talk about. It was the Rory sign. I talked about it with Rashad Evans last week. I don't oh, know if
0: I'm you sorry. listened to our show, I'm but it, you know it was really it was a big part of our show. It was, it
1: was <laughs> great. Uh, yeah,
0: I mean, look, but the point of that is it was a it was a big year for a lot of uh, a lot of people, a lot of promotions. When the money's flowing, it's a big year for us too. We get our pockets lined a little bit. We get more opportunities,
1: right? I am concerned though about the I've seen You're allowed to move to Connecticut. It's a big year. Not allowed. I've seen some some stories out there about the potential fight bubble about to burst on on combat sports where the money is the money is high right now but is there something backing that all this money like Mikey Garcia just got 7 million to go fight I, I think on it's more dangerous on the boxing side because they're people are
0: getting paid money they just don't like it's not realistic. Right. The zone came in there and just splashed the damn pot. That whole thing may pop, but the UFC deal seems concrete and the UFC is not stopping and putting out great fights constantly. They're also cheap, so that helps. Cheap in paying the fighters, yes, yes, yes. They did raise their pay-per-view price $5 more. Your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait till it gets to 100. I mean, look, the argument against that, and it sucks, it sucks. Pay-per-view sucks. It's, it's where we're at in fights. The argument against that is UFC gives you friggin' great, great stuff. You know how you know, long like I've been following? Can I tell you the last time boxing had a like, I cannot miss this pay-per-view co-main event. Go ahead. Uh, probably Danny Garcia, Lucas Matisse, 2013. Floyd Canelo. And that fight only happened in that spot because Floyd knew he had an opportunity to set the pay-per-view record. So he thought adding that would get him there. They finished th- At that time, they finished second. 2.2 million pay-per-view buys. Great or four. Two point great great card. Great card, right? I mean, but you don't see that anymore in boxing. You still get that in MMA, even though the fighters don't get paid enough, even though there's too many cards, all that good stuff. Yep. MMA's in a good spot. Okay, that's fighter of the year. Let's roll through these. Fight of the year in 2019.
1: Brandon, to me, there's only one. Do you disagree with that? I do. This was my uh con- uh Conceding to you, just to get you to stop yelling at me about Israel Adesanya being the fighter of the year. First of all, I don't need
0: your, your MMA pity ever, (laughs) ever, including inside a cage once we get there, okay? Oh, so now we're back on? We're, well, well, is it, is 2019 over yet, alright? I might just, we might fight right now,
1: then we might, this might be alive, (laughs) alright? Yeah, I, I mean, dude. You, you think that there's only one. There's only one, Brandon. But there's also, you just realized in the fighter of the year rankings that you were like, oh my God, there were like yeah, 17 so Hudo, really good yeah, fights. So who
0: don't and, Volkanovski and Usman, we not even, oh my God, Nunes isn't even on this list. What happened here? All right, there's one fight of the year. I was there. It was April. It was Atlanta. It's our choice collectively for CBS Sports 2019 fight of the year. Israel Adesanya wins the interim middleweight title and a 5 round war with Kelvin Gastelum. Wow, 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 Brandon. It was one of those fights that had so many seesaw moments. Remember when Gastel almost submitted them twice in the fourth round? Just there was, there was that overall feeling of this is a war and it came early. Like, oh my God, this is a war, right? It wasn't Corrales Castillo in boxing, but it had that early feel where you're like, Neither guy's backing up. They're, like, both are here to win. It's the best performance of Kelvin Gastelum's somewhat up-and-down career. Like, he came in there championship-ready to make a damn statement. Remember, he was supposed to get a title shot against Robert Whitaker, and it fell through when Whitaker got hurt, right? Yep. So this was his title shot, more or less. He fought like a damn champion. But we didn't know about Izzy at this point. And mind you, again, coming off that Anderson Silva win, some people are like, yeah, maybe he's not the real— how do you not knock out a forty-two-year-old legend who may have been drinking the drinking the drinking the uh, the OJ in the morning? All right, why why are we on that? We don't know that. I don't. I'm not saying that. Okay. What lawyers line one? Red Red, red Team go. Red Team go. Do you, you ever watch Son of a Woman? No. You ever watch Son of a Woman oh, on I've weed? Seen. No. That's that's a half-baked joke. Sorry, I don't want to take you down that rabbit hole. Um. Anyway, <laughs> Izzy had to prove so much in that fight, Brandon that he's a legitimate title contender, but that he had balls and a backbone. We love those moments of when a man gets tested, he gets dropped in the fire, but he don't burn, brother. Where I come from, you either smoke or you get smoked. And the only one in that cage that had a lighter was Idril Adesanya. Oh, I, that was so good. right? That was right <laughs> off the dome, right off the damn dome. Brandon, I was blessed. Hashtag blessed. Shout-out to people like Dylan Hager, one of our listeners, who loves the fact that I was wearing some weird orange pullover that night over my (laughs) dress shirt. I was blessed to be there in an orange outfit 10 feet from the cage. It was hell. But a fight of the year can be a fight of the year if it's just two guys running into each other all night. That's, That's fun. But this one had those dramatic turns, right? I'm just blabbering into a microphone, Brandon. Summarize to the listeners
1: in only the succinct way that you can why this was our choice. I mean, there just there were so many damn great fights this year, but like you said, this one it, it captured the attention of fans. It it was it was almost one of those moments where like a, a Griffin Bonner, where you're like, hey. You gotta get, you gotta tune into this. There, there's some crazy ish going on right now. This, this fight, I have no idea how long it's gonna last.
0: Did it get better round by round? It did. Tell me it did.
1: Uh, I mean, I think it maintained its incredible pace at, from the outset because Kelvin Gastelum had no interest in wrestling to start that fight. He just wanted to go in there and throw his left hand as hard as he could at Israel Adesanya and he landed multiple times. That was probably the, my favorite part of that was that Israel uh, ends up walking out of that cage like a duck with his giant lip swollen because of how much damage he took while he while dis- dishing out his own amount onto Kelvin's face. It, it was just Izzy
0: almost took more visible damage. Yet I thought he cleanly won the fight. I, I, I thought he deserved the win. It almost seemed like he had to endure more, just externally. Internally, you never know. You never yeah. know what a guy's going through—pain and destruction, broken ribs, pee and blood, all that gross stuff.
1: You know what didn't make our list that we're going to go through in a second that I just, I'm very upset now that we forgot? Say it. Romero Costa. It's up
0: there. It's up there in that discussion. It was bang, bang, start to finish. Yeah, they brought it. They absolutely brought it. Uh, that's the fight of the year because it was great and entertaining, but it mattered. Interim title, it proved so much for both guys. Look, did you didn't know Izzy had those balls. You didn't. No. Brandon, he could have got caught in like round four and just went down. That's the end of it.
1: Would you feel better saying that that fight ends up meaning more than the Robert Whitaker fight? To me, that feels like the actual title fight.
0: You're saying he earned the title against Gastelum. He won it against Whitaker, but he earned it against Gastelum. Wow, that's like yeah. some kind of like weird reverse MMA psychology. I like that. <laughs> oh my God. I can't believe this guy's not the fighter of the year after this <laughs> performance. Good God. Uh, what came close, Brandon? What's, what's the one that, that had the strongest case to upset this?
1: Well, for me, my voting specifically I put that Barbarina Luke fight number 2 which was just insane pace insane striking on display where both dudes just did not back down 1 inch and just kept throwing haymakers
0: but Mr Barbarina Mr Bob Barbarina
1: yeah but well, that one was also just because it was like a surprise. Like Luque was such a heavy favorite going into that fight, where he was assumed to just kind of walk over Barbarina, and that dude just put out a that caveman, yeah, a damn chin for the ages. Um But his
0: chin is deteriorating. Not
1: yet. Not yet. Poirier Holloway gets number two on our list, and I. I can't make an argument against it. Hey, I got to say, Brandon, I was there. I was wearing an orange pullover,
0: (laughs) and I was 10 feet away. Uh, You know what's crazy is there was an element of that fight that was almost like, damn, this fight's not as good as the one before. Yet, holy crap, this could be fight of the year any other year. Two top 10 guys pound for pound at the moment, at that time, fighting for something that mattered. Holloway trying to become a two-division champion, or no, trying to move up and win an interim to get an opportunity to become a two-division champion. And it was a little bit more tactical. Then the war before it, but the pace was insane. The damage in the end was very accumulative. And good God, man, you talk about two fights back to back that just captured ten rounds of glory, ten rounds of horrors, ten rounds of I need to sop out my soaking wet orange jumpsuit afterwards. (laughs) Oh, what a night, Brandon, in Atlanta. And what is crazy is... I, that week, I don't know if you remember, I was in LA shooting stuff for Fox. Then I took a red eye plane to Philly and a car was waiting for me. And then I called the, uh, weigh-in live stream for Clarissa Shields and Showtime in Atlantic City. <laughs> then as soon as that was over, I got on a plane. I flew to Atlanta. I was weathered. I was like, should I even be here? What's going on? And then you walk into that business. What a night in MMA. Wow. Uh, you can't forget Stipe A. D. Say, too. Could have won. dude. Look, the fact that DC didn't follow the game plan and it was just a two zombies just banging,
1: walking forward with his fingers out, yeah, just, to just poke him in the banging. Eye.
0: And the fact that it's the heavyweight title rematch and there's so much history involved, it was insane. Usman and Covington, that our colleague Brent Brookhouse thought was the fight of the year, dude, it was hilarious. It was five rounds of boxing and it was it was two guys that hate each other. It was great. And like,
1: I feel like that one, just because I don't want to say that it's recency bias, but like. The, the volume of strikes, the power on those strikes too was just because of the animosity between them and because of the hatred. Like you could see Usman was overthrowing on all of his punches. Like he was overthrowing trying to get him out of there. And Colby, for the most part, ate him until he broke his jaw. <laughs> and it's just one of those fights where it's like, if this happens earlier in the year, we probably actually give it the respect that it deserves. But because it's so late, we're kind of like, Oh God, we got to fit it in somewhere.
0: It was one of those, uh, fights that if you're a casual fan, you dream that a UFC title fight would look like that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's it. That's it. Shout out to uh
1: plus uh you got you had Ayaquinta and Donald Cerrone, that five rounds. Yeah, there were so
0: I wanna put those in the category that of Barbarina Luque where Although that one was was much more star studded. But there were a bunch of those this year of sort of like mid card ones that were just bangers. Romero Costa was a celebrity version of that. Uh Great, great year! And look, we had Andrade Yunus on there. Just the the, the seesaw. I think Andrade and Yunus was no different than Lawler Askren from the idea of just one person having huge success and then it completely shifting the other way. But
1: mm, kind of, I wouldn't say. But you that would mean you'd have Lawler Askren up there for your fight of the year. I'm saying that they're very close. Yeah.
0: I, feel, they, I feel they were, they feel were like sort of like, like they're not traditional fight of the years because it wasn't really back and forth. It was more like. One person absorbed a lot and then rallied for a victory. It was kind of like Lesnar and Carwin would never be a true fight of the year pick, yet it was as dramatic, Brandon, as any other fight I've ever seen in UFC history. Say it's not. Say it, Brandon. Try to sit here and tell me that it's not.
1: All right? Ooh, you know one we forgot? I've got one, um, and I got it from your mom. Uh, Thanks, no, nice, no, no, nice, bro. That's not necessary. <laughs> come, come on, bro. It's the holidays. You know what we forgot? What else can, what else you want me to say? I mean, what else? <laughs> Uh, Merry Christmas to Brock Lesnar. <laughs> you will as laugh. Um, Cody Garbrandt and Pedro Munoz. Damn right, damn right. That was a fight of the year contender. Absolutely. How about um? How about Tony Ferguson and Donald Cerrone? Eh.
0: Yeah. Well, no, that's in there, dude. That's in there. Look, you know what? Nate Diaz, Anthony Pettis. Not bad. Nate Diaz, Jorge Masvidal. Not bad, Brandon, in terms of just being straight excitement. That's the thing. Some
1: fights can be a little bit one sided, but just be straight drama the whole time. Nico Price and uh, Tim Means. You remember that fight? Or no? I don't remember that fight. That was, I'm sorry. That that's where I'm going to cut you off.
0: All right. <laughs> Knockout of the year, Brandon. It seems obvious. I, I think this is the runaway of all the categories. The The slam dunk. Jorge Masvidal, Flying Knee, Ben Askren. International Fight Week July. It's our moment of the year. It's our fighter of the year. It's our pop culture MMA MVP of the year. And it was also a freaking hellacious knockout in a fight that mattered for overall sort of relevancy and title contention. And oh, by the way, it was a... Probably the build, the promotion of the year. Does this fight win promotion of the year in your eyes? That's not a thing. Uh, It's an award on our podcast all right? (laughs) It's the fight that was best promoted that had you the most excited just on the straight promotion of the two. Like, I'm going to say Habib-Connor may have been the best promoted fight ever. Like, you just had to see from a soap opera standpoint what was going to happen next. This fight had those elements, and then you had five seconds. You'll never forget where you were when you watched it. I was cage-side in Vegas. Were you in the arena?
1: Where were you? Which one? Uh, yeah, I was up. I was up top.
0: It's that feeling, that oh shit feeling. There's nothing like it in combat sports. They're, they're comparative to any other sport, like combat sports owns that oh shit feeling because you can hit a ten run home run in one second, right? You can throw a hundred yard touchdown pass in one second to win the game. And he did that at the start of this grudge war. What's one style? Gonna look like against this opposite style. No, that style don't matter. The only style is you got knocked the hell out, Ben Askren, and that hush over the crowd for like a half second. And then, I mean, it's the one of those. Brandon, if that thing was it, if my if if that thing was a drug, I'd sell it by the
1: gram. Okay, <laughs> thank you, Vanilla Ice. Thank you. I screamed. I'll say it. I I legit. I saw what happened. Yeah, but that's happened. a Miami home, South Florida homerism. No, right? that's that was a what the hell just happened. <laughs>
0: That was earthquake weekend where Rashad survived that. What a weekend, Brandon, right? That weekend was pretty badass, right? I mean,
1: that's me bringing that heat. That's me bringing that heat. That was, that was Rashi,
0: Rashi bringing that heat, okay? Rashi? Rashad, okay? <laughs> I, was, I don't know. I'm coming up with new, with new stuff here. I'm just, you know, he, you know, he knows who he is, all right, bro? Guess what? I'm not Ryan Bader. Right? Exactly, Ryan. exactly. Ryan Bader had a good year, too, all right? Not, yeah. not, you know, all right, all right. Uh, that's your KO of the year. Um, you liked for runners up this, Price upkick when James Vick got sent to hell for like the fifth straight time. That sounds I mean, a, a little overrated, right?
1: Overrated. It's All right, what's your overrated. number two? What's your number two, guy? Uh, you, don't, you don't even have your list.
0: <laughs> Andrade, in a title fight that she was getting dominated in, dropped Rose Namajunas on her freaking head, which is also... Oh, that's why I had it number three. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, which, yeah. Is, which is also <laughs> her nickname, right? Pile Driver? In 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 Portuguese, right?
1: I didn't know that. You're she brain- said it. She
0: said it in the post-fight interview in the cage afterwards. Okay, Brandon, that moment was freaking insane. But that's not the second best knockout of the year. I don't know how you fools who voted with me did not give the love to Kevin Lee, Gregor Gillespie. I mean, you talk about a head kick that knocks a man down; the back of his head hits the fence, and he sits up, knocked out. It's it's poetry in motion.
1: Yeah. And so was Alexander Rakic against Jimmy Manuel, but you didn't give that the respect. Rakic, Yeah. Either. Hey, this... remember
0: at the beginning of the show when I had auto tune on my voice? That was pretty <laughs> awesome,
1: man. Dude, this year for knockouts specifically was just weird. Like, now, we why gonna... do
0: you say weird? I thought there were a lot of people in, in, even though this was the runaway category of the year, I thought there were some solid ones.
1: But that's what, but I'm saying more like, we just had a lot of random and surprising KOs that you just don't see ever. That's what, which is why I put the Nico Price one up there because it's like, when do you see a guy get knocked out while laying on or while standing over somebody laying on his back? That's a good point. Like I don't. When think do I've you ever see st- in a title fight somebody get
0: pile driven? Right. <laughs> hey, Jessica I getting head kicked to hell by Chev yeah. was uh, was pretty. Fan- One guy on our staff calls her Chevy. I don't know if you've seen this before because the guy's the worst. Right. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: Justin Gaethje against Edson Barbosa was insane. Hey, Luke too. Thomas. I
0: don't know if you know this guy, Luke Thomas. I do morning combat with him every week Never on Showtime Mondays, uh, twelve Eastern on YouTube. Uh, he. Got it's on me for my pronunciation now look i butch i'll but look i'll butcher a guy i'll just screw up a name for years but he says i'm doing Justin Gage gauge g he says i'm doing gauge g he's saying do it how justin does it justin gagey 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 not Gage. like it's g-a-g-e-y gagey not gage not dustin gage as someone on our stuff that's the absolute worst uh What I'm talking about really here is uh I'm butchering Justin Gagechi that's not right Gagechi that's not I right. thought
1: it was Gagechi too but All right, all right. what is Well Luke Thomas knows everything apparently. Yeah <laughs> but,
0: <laughs> wow, wow. look at this budding rivalry right here. All right I like this. Uh look big uh
1: Justin Gagechi sent Barbosa to hell. That was that What that Dude, was Douglas uh Diego uh Diego Lima, not him. Douglas Lima, uppercut KO MVP into another planet. And it was one
0: of those viral runs because it just was freak out of nowhere. Uh, you love this Bellator Ray Daniels 720
1: punch. Yes. How do you not? That was amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty bad. He did, he did a spin, didn't like what he saw, spun again, and then punched the dude, and the dude just collapsed into him. Like, I don't think I've, I i do not think you could plan that any better.
0: You got any others? Cause we gotta, we gotta roll. We gotta uh, roll the heck on. Okay, Brandon.
1: How about your girl, uh, Holly Holm, getting sent to hell?
0: That was beautiful. I mean, you consider the, t- the it was a title level. It was an important fight. That that was a beautiful finish. Um, our next award is uh, MMA Clown of the Year, Brandon. <laughs> you, and it ties in with Knockout of the Year because it was probably the knockout that I was like, yeah, yeah, mother effer, you deserve that, right? No, I'm kidding on that. But still, Clown of the Year. We go to Brazil for this. It's either Michelle Pededa for dancing to the cage, gassing out, trying to do a backflip off the cage wall. And against a guy he probably could have beaten fairly easily. No one remembers the guy's name. And Johnny Walker, weirdo.
1: All right. You done? Dylan Danis could probably be in this conversation. (laughs) Dylan Danis fought one time this year. Are you done? Yeah, I'm done. Who's your pick for Clown of the Year? I don't have one. Okay. All right. I gave you your moment to gloat about (laughs) my two favorite fighters. It's a tie. By the way, it was a tie. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Thank you. All right. Uh, submission of the year for CBS Sports in 2019, Brandon. This, uh, this is not official. This is not, this is not in order. No. Uh, this is not an official category. This is a This is for the State of Combat podcast. What's your pick for, uh, submission of the year? Oh man, um, I mean, there's, there was a lot of under the radar ones. There wasn't like one giant one in a title fight where you're like, damn, and then there wasn't one like, you know, there was that, Bryce Mitchell had that uh, Twister. Twister was amazing, but this, is that really the submission of the year? I don't know. This guy, Aviv Gozali of Bellator, the 19-year-old guy from Israel, had some sick submissions. Remember that five-second one in Bellator Bridgeport where he faked the high-five, and then he rolled, eminari rolled him right into
1: a tab? Is that another one you were live for? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> see, if
0: I was live for, it happened. If I didn't see it, it didn't happen. That's really how MMA works, right? Um,
1: I mean, Misha Sirkanoff pulling out a submission, I don't think we've seen in, like, a decade in MMA or in UFC anyway. The Peruvian necktie against Jimmy Crute, that was freaking insane.
0: I think I'm going to give my personal award here, since, uh, yeah, this is my podcast, to um, <laughs> to Ben Askren's bulldog choke on Robbie Logan. And the reason why is there was controversy involved, but it came at a point where Askren had been getting his ass kicked and flipped it around, and then you didn't think it was going to happen. Suddenly, the fight's over, Brandon. You don't really see a lot of bulldog choke finishes at that level.
1: Uh, I mean... That's white belt stuff, as Luke Thomas would say. It was just... I don't know that that would be the submission of the year though. You're are you giving it that just because of the moment that it was and Ben Askren and his first Yeah, it first wasn't the most fight. beautiful submission. It was somewhat of a bad stoppage. It's all those things I won. mean, the Cron Gracie one was damn good yeah. too against Alex Caceres. Worst or, game plan. Or how about Damian Maya against Ben Askren? Like that fight that was a a stand-up war between yes. a couple of wrestlers and then Maya just in in and forces his power on him. And gets the the rear naked.
0: I feel like we should have a separate category for Bellator Undercard Knockout of the Year and Bellator <laughs> Undercard Submission of the Year. Because there's like a billion of them, right?
1: Well, I mean, Brett Primus with the the go Plata. Yes. That was sick.
0: <sighs> Former champion, Brett Primus.
1: How about uh, uh, Charles Oliveira with his Anaconda Choke? That was sick, too. Over Daniel Tamer? What, whatever. One of the Tamers. Alright, that's it. I'm done with this category. Alright, you wanted to do this category. <sighs> I'm
0: done with it. Um, Brandon, worst moment of the year in MMA in 2019. You know, will you give me the favorite. If it was all gravy. It was all great to you. There's no bad moments.
1: I mean, give me some some options here because I'm trying to think of what would be a bad moment. I mean,
0: Matt Mitrione kicked that guy in the Jones, <laughs> and then uh, and that fight fell apart. That was pretty cool. Uh
1: I mean, Bellator shouldn't be a part of that category. then, because you had a fight this weekend fall apart when a guy showed up to the arena. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, was there a moment this year, like like we saw on Friday night with Julio Cesar Chavez, where people were throwing stuff into the octagon? I don't.
0: Oh yeah, and and um on that fight night in another country when that Brandon Fitzgerald jumped under the desk, what was the situation in that? Remember that? Was that Mexico? That was the Yair oh, Rodriguez. yes. That's, yes, that's, there you go. There it there is. There you go. Yair you got, Rodriguez and Jeremy, Jeremy
1: Stevens. Yep. Where the fight ends abruptly because Jeremy Stevens gets poked in the eye and then can't see, even though he, he, he thinks he can see, but the doctors are telling him he can't fight, and Yair loses his mind, and yeah.
0: Herb Dean tried to kill a few people in the ring this year with a couple <laughs> uh couple of tough stoppages. Uh do you have any other awards you want to give up, Brandon? Hottest female fighter of the year?
1: Oh my god.
0: <laughs> wow. The, you'll hear the answer on our Patreon show
1: afterwards. All right. Well we gotta do events of the year.
0: Instagram follow of the year. Is it uh Valentina or Antonina? It's your Why choice. Why
1: am I friends with you. <sighs> That's no, it's uh it's Mackenzie Dern. Oh, stop that.
0: Not, you know, pre or post. No, come on, stop. <laughs> just
1: stop. That's just
0: awful. That's just, I mean, I just don't get down like that. That's awful. Wow. What's your event if of the year? If he was a
1: girl, you would say he has a dog. Joe, that's
0: not, not acceptable. What did you say?
1: What's your event of the year? Because there's a lot of good options, man.
0: It might have to be International Fight Week. What was that? UFC what?
1: 239.
0: So that was John Jones in a closer fight than expected against Tiago Santos. Yep.
1: Holly Holman and Amanda Nunes. Head
0: kick. So there was, there was nothing like the Atlanta show from having the two Fight of the Year contenders back-to-back, right? Adesanya and Poirier. There was, there's an energy to that, Brandon, that you and I felt at UFC 217 at MSG, right? Three title wins ending. crazy Nama Yunus by knockout. GSP by submission. Cody Garbrandt gets knocked out. That had an element. But I think Fight Week had that in that fight card, too. Because of the moment of the year, Maz Vidal... You know, then the head kick from Nunes. Was there another moment before that?
1: No, that was, I mean, I can pull that up, but I'm looking at 235 as well. Because 235 is one of those sneaky ones to me where you look at it on paper and you're like, oh, it's John Jones against Anthony Smith, whatever. Kamaru Usman beats Tyron Woodley. Those were kind of boring fights. But then you look at Ben Askren against Robbie Lawler was on that card. And then you look at Pedro Munoz. Yeah, but you got
0: to finish strong, though. you got to finish strong, okay?
1: That's fine. Cody Garbrandt and Pedro Munoz was sick. The beat against Jeremy Stevens was fun. Johnny Walker, your favorite, beating up Misha Sirkinoff. Oh, the, the the upset of the year is Diego Sanchez beating Mickey Gall. Yes. That's the yes. freaking craziest result of the year by far. Is it really the
0: crazy? Yeah, we didn't have upset of the year. I guess we didn't prepare properly. What was the well, upset there wasn't, of
1: the year? I don't know that there would be a... Ch- the upset might be Ben uh, Jorge Masvidal against Ben Askren because he was a huge underdog going into that fight. But uh, to me, Mickey Gall losing when he's like... 40 years younger than Diego Sanchez and getting just dominated yeah. at, at Welterweight was shocking. Morning, Who's your uh, prospect of the year? We'll go into event of the year again in a second. I think prospect is easy though. Edmund Shabazin. Yeah, Edmund Shabazzin. Alright, we
0: we remixed again. Edmund Shabba Shaba 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 Edmund Shabazin. was a few guys on that in that category, but he really just jumped off the page as a guy that that we gotta see moving forward, almost ready for top ten level. Oh, uh, we wanted to revisit that uh card of the year. Dude, it really was two thirty-nine. Because it was the flow and momentum of what we had there, of one finish into another, of Luke Rockhold getting sent to hell by Blawicic into Flying knee knockout into Nunes' head kick. And then the main event, was it was more exciting than people realized Jones and Santos. Because Tiago wouldn't go away. And it was suddenly a closer fight than it maybe should have been. But I think that's a pick,
1: dude. It's still debatable. I mean, I think you're right. Because we were talking about it that night as if we would have gotten a fourth straight stoppage in the main event. Ian, either way, like if, if Tiago won... For sure, like that's the event of the year, like and maybe well, the events, we, e- best event. We were arguing
0: yeah, we were arguing like, is this is this the deepest best, not deepest, maybe but best event in terms of bang, bang, bang. UFC two seventeen gave us that that triple bang there that we like to talk about in Madison Square Garden. UFC two hundred five the the first MSG card was so deep and so good. I always go back to uh UFC one sixteen the Lesnar Carwin one Do you remember those fights leading into it, man? Like Chris Lieben in uh and Sexy Yam. I mean, there was just like you know, uh, Bonner sent that Krzysztof to hell, Christoph Shishinsky to hell. And the... by the way, did you see the movie um with Kevin James that MMA movie? No, dude, you would love that. I would love that. That my kids laugh at the crap out of that movie. You know what you know what I'm talking Do
1: about? Do you think that I'm the age of your children,
0: bro? You have not seen that movie. <laughs> Boss Rubin's no. in it. What's it called? Uh.
1: Bringing down? No, that's that's a different. All right, you bring the pain or
0: something? You and your you need you and your wife need to date night and, and Netflix and chill with that. Okay, here's the thing. It's a great, it's a hilarious movie. It does MMA right and UFC right. All the names are in it, like Rogan stuff. And oh god, Rogan's in it. the 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 boss at the end of the video game is Christoph Shishinski. Remember that dude? All tatted up, bro. He's the bad guy at the end.
1: Oh lord! They um, they, by they the way, are trying
0: to save the music department at the high school. Okay.
1: So, so. Bring the pain? Is that what it's called? Stop it. Is that uh, what it's called? Stop it. 238, actually. Here comes the boom, bro. That's <laughs> it. So, 238, actually, when you look at it now, that actually holds up well because there's four or five fights on here that you're like, whoa. Starts off with Blog blog Boy against Tai Tuivasa, which was a sloppy fat guy brawl. Yeah, yeah. Peter Yan against Jimmy Rivera was a lot of fun. Then you have Tony Ferguson Donald Cerrone, kind of one-sided but a really good fight. You have the Shevchenko knockout of Jessica I. All right, you And then Sahudo rallying against Marlon That was Rice. that was that was, a,
0: that was a sneaky good card. It didn't have the top-end star power that you need, but it was a sneaky good card. Cringe performer of the year is it Henry Sahudo or Ariel Hawani? What's your pick? <laughs>
1: performer of the year would – oh, man.
0: Cringe I mean, of the year, yeah. Probably yeah.
1: Ariel. Yeah,
0: yeah, he's got that market corner. Shout out to Ariel Helwani. Right. Um, Triple C cringe, though, is, is rough. He's rough, bro. He's rough. No longer Triple C. He's a double C at this point. You remember, oh, no, yeah. you know what? The cringe moment of the year is when Triple C put the diapers on his championship belts <laughs> in that video. Colby had some cringe this year, too. All right? There's, there's a lot going on. By the, I the mean, way,
1: I think that's the news that we did not talk about unless you talked about it last week, and I just don't remember, that Cejudo gave up the, the flyway title.
0: Yeah, so I don't think that's a bad move because why why fluctuate in weight? He's always had problems making weight since he turned pro, so it's like I don't I'm not against that. It gives Joseph Benavidez a chance at a title which he's long deserved, but I kind of wanted to see the Cejudo Benavidez rematch. Yeah, and you really lack star power. It's one thing Cejudo had with star power. Now you have potentially. I mean, who's Benavides facing in this upcoming title fight? GCA Formiga.
1: Uh, it's a it's a fight night main event.
0: Uh, it's kind of. it's. Kind, I know, like, Suhudo may have saved the flyweight division this calendar year, so that's a subplot to the year. But if you save it and there's nobody to carry the flag,
1: eh. he, he might have saved it for a year.
0: Yeah, he saved it for his own glory. He kind of became a two division champion kind of before he deserved a chance to become one, right? You used to only get that shot when you were like a legend. Now we have two. I mean,. Dude, dude, GDR was almost a two-division champion when she up-kicked Amanda Nunes, right? Yeah. Holly Holm almost was one this year as well. Not about almost, but you get my point.
1: You were so high on that fight going in. Dude,
0: so many people were talking about the Albuquerque (laughs) parlay, all right?
1: Right? So many, meaning you and the person you made the the conversation with.
0: I I don't know. Everywhere we went in Vegas that week, we ended up Mm -hmm. talking about it. People were like, you know, that's really good, Jones and Holmes together. Do you think they ever did the business? (laughs)
1: <laughs> no comment.
0: Okay, all right. Hey, uh, we got to look ahead quickly to this weekend. I can't, I mean, this, we're having problems with this thing. I can't even click on it. But it's Bellator and it's risen this Sunday night? Saturday, Saturday night?
1: night? Saturday night.
0: In Japan. And it's Fedor Rampage, and I don't hate this. What What channel is this on? It's on... Um, is this a Dazzin production? Live on Paramount. All right, shout out, hey, shout, Paramount is a uh, CBS... Uh, CBS products, so shout-out to the Paramount Network, right? Yeah. Bellator is a CBS product by proxy, right? We merge. What are we called now?
1: Viacom CBS.
0: Shout-out to Viacom CBS. So this actually is the most important fight of the year, if you ask me. <laughs> it's Fedor, it's Rampage Jackson, and it's going to be sloppy because that's how we like it, Brandon, all right? Extra sloppy. You won't even play your soundboard Because I'd this. have to find it under the <laughs> boxing pages. It would take a long time, right? Um,
1: Yeah, this is going to be extra because – Rampage's latest pictures have him looking pretty thick with three Ugh, Cs. God. I hope this fight only lasts about two minutes because I don't know what it's going to be after that. I mean, the thing is, Fedor's still got power in those hands.
0: Yeah. It might be fading. I but... mean, so does Rampage, but it's going to look gross. If no <laughs> one catches each other right away, it's going to look <laughs> really gross. Uh, what else? Who's Chandler fighting on this undercard? Uh,
1: it, it's a crossover, so most of them are fighting risen, risen fighters. It's not moving me. I'm sorry. I mean Michael Chandler's interesting. I though. love Michael Chandler. MVP's back against some Asian guy. Some I have I have
0: a <laughs> I, I have a fight with some some some
1: I have a fight uh
0: with a a Thailand guy. Thai some Thai guy. Lorenz Lurkin's back on this card. All right. I I'm I'll tune in for the main event. Anyone else? No, no. No, no. No, oh, Derek Crookshank is back with a porn mustache. <laughs> Look at this guy; he's great. All right, that's the year that was in MMA. Brandon Wise, we'll be back uh, after the new year, before the new year, to do our uh, end of decade chat. Somewhere around January first, somewhere
1: in and around that date. If you make me come in here on New Year's Day, I'm going to bounce. No, no, off yeah, Okay, so
0: maybe next year we'll be back. Uh, shout out to all our award winners, including uh, Cringe Master Henry Cejudo and Michelle Padede for Clown of the Year. And um, do you have a Listener of the Year? That's a great question. Actually, I'm going to give it to you. Our MMA Listener of the Year for 2019 is Dylan Hager because he listens to all three shows, brother. All right? All three. And yeah. comments and contributes. Shout out to Omar Al-Rashid, a big-time listener of this show from Down Under. I love our people. I love our friggin' people. Shout out to Rashad Evans, who I'm going to let you know now, was voted to. 2019 SOC co-host of the year. So, tough break for you Brandon. You had You're a good such run. An A-hole. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, you had a good debut year, not not good enough in the end, okay? For for what we're trying to do here on this show, um it was a great year. It was a great year for this show. It's a great year for you moving to Connecticut. The fans didn't get the fight they wanted, Campbell-wise. It's going
1: to happen. Survi- don't worry. Survive
0: or die. Try. It might end
1: up being like a wrestling match where I just show up and hit you in the back of the head with a chair, but know. Take Rashad's nuts out your mouth, then talk
0: to me. Okay, okay, I will do that. I will do that. <laughs> Who breaks a door? Honestly, right? That's the way it is. Uh, hopefully, all of our favorite fighters will stay off drugs. Hopefully, uh, you know, stay thirsty on Instagram, everyone. Um, check out our work at State of Combat on Twitter. Brandon, it's been a hell of a fun ride doing this show with you. Okay. Thanks for being well, absolute weirdo. I mean, th- <laughs> I hope you enjoy the holiday. Look, I don't know what you're celebrating this year, but if it's Christmas this week, man, enjoy it. Hey, it's night two of Hanukkah. You know that? What are you getting down with?
1: Christmas, bro. All right. I'm, sure, I'm not trying to exclude people. You know, we got our tree last week. Oh, that's that's good timing. You know,
0: <laughs> I have cousins like that who put it up every year on Christmas Eve. On that's, Christmas. That's Eve.
1: weird. Why? That's weird. I don't know. Did Do they just feel like they don't want to have like the expense of the lights being on all the time? I don't know.
0: We always had a rule in our house that couldn't come up before Thanksgiving. So we always did it the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's fine. Cause that's, that gives you the full month. You know, the first year I ever got a, a real tree about 12 years ago, the kids were real small. It smelt so good. I never before or since got one that smelt that good that I left it up until March 1st. <laughs> no no lights on it or, or ornaments, just straight up just... kept the cherry in there until I found out one of my sons was allergic to it and it's why he was in and out of the hospital that year. So, hey, great, great, great idea there, Campbell. But uh, but uh, it smelled really good though. It was like an air freshener in your house 24 7. It was so piney.
1: I love that you called me the giant weirdo when this is your life. Yeah, this is this is, this is, is what happens life. to you every day. This is, this is my
0: life. Uh, yeah, that'll do it for MMA in 2019. Hope you enjoyed that. We'll be back with a bang next year, okay? We'll be on the streets. We'll be giving you the interviews you want and need, okay? You're going to get some more sugar in your diet as well in the name of love. That's Rashad Evans. It's our co-host. co-host. I thought it's you told me it. you
1: didn't need more sugar. <laughs>
0: No, I'm trying to. I'm trying to kill sugar. Sugar brings out
1: the worst in me. All right, listen, I'm t- I need to
0: quit a lot of things. Okay, listen. maybe pro wrestling is one of them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're going to get into like I'm going to try to get this fight off the ground again, but I feel like this is going to turn into like a a Creed and Rocky moment where we're training together, trying to just get in shape and make our lives feel better. Yeah,
0: that's probably sure. I will not half shirt on the beach with you at any point though. Tubes. Well Yes, uh, that's it. I can't. I have nothing more to say. This show's over. Uh, for Brandon Wise, for Sugar Rashad Evans, this is your boy BC. Happy holidays. Thank you for listening to our ridiculousness. And I got two words for you. And I got two words for MMA in 2019. And I got two words for the Shevchenko sisters. We out.